Hello, welcome to... Fuck, I want to say shoot the piano player. What's this one called? Dark Habits. An El Motivar podcast. Yeah, look, in a few episodes, I'll, I'll, I'll get it straight. All the way through. Anyway, this is Dark Habits, the, the new season. Season 4. And this is the fifth recording, I believe. Yes. And, uh... This is the first Bette Davis movie we're talking about. We're going to talk about what, uh, all about Eve later because we kind of have to. Mm-hmm. And it's a mode of our love that one. So it's like it's kind of necessary. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is classic Hollywood. Uh, I had brought on. Well, oh, Joel, Joel's here, too, I think. Right. I mean, this time. <laughs> OK, yeah, you're here. And uh, yeah, I uh, brought on someone who's been uh, like a friend, Twitter friend, uh, sort of, I guess, yeah. for like five years, four it's years. Been, it's been a long time. It's definitely been a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who who are you? I'm Jake Lindbergh. Um, just general human being, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> okay. Overqualified. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, um, let's, I want to put a well. Let's put a stop to something real quick, right away. Okay. Why are you saying Bet Davis? I was gonna. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just gonna let him. I've recently it. heard she preferred you said Bet Davis. That's how she said it. Apparently, too fucking bad. <laughs> that's, that's what I've heard. I've never heard that, but that's really interesting. I think Whoa. it was like uh, Albert Kane brought like mentioned it like kind of offhandedly once on Pure Cinema. Oh, geez, he's the authority, of course. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, he, yeah, he's a super nerd who would like go back and and like read interviews and watch interviews, like right. That. Or maybe he's full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yes, it's possible. We're all, you know, at some time we're all full of shit. That's true. You know, I don't think he's full of shit. I just don't think it's that important of a detail that we need to. No, it sounds like you're you're trying to. Uh, it's like if you started calling Carnage the the Spider-Man Village Carnage. <laughs> okay, which yeah, is actually I happens. I guess my friend told me one time that happened at a at a con. Yeah. There's a so. Um, Betty Davis, Bat Davis. Uh, look. Classic Hollywood's not my thing. It's just that's a name I've seen written out many times. It's mm-hmm. one of those I don't know. I'm not sure if it's Bet or Betty. I'm going off of what a, a, a big movie nerd said. I will say I've seen like old like short films where they'll like or like newsreels, and it's usually when I remember it's usually Betty Davis. But that's that's just me. She may have preferred to be called Bet Davis. Yeah, her well, stage name was Betty Davis. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, her real name was Ruth. So okay, anything's funny. better than that. Uh, you're disrespecting Ruth, Gore- Ruth Gordon right now. Oh, shoot. That was my bad. She just doesn't look like a Ruth. She looks okay, like a Betty. Yeah. That's yeah, what Ruth I mean. Gordon looks like a Ruth. Yeah. No, Ruth Gordon's exactly. awesome, yeah. She Even like Ruth looks like. Uh, like she, well, Ruth Gordon, which we should probably do an episode on her. She, her career is really fascinating. She was like a screenwriter and did other things in show business before becoming a big acting star. 
Right. And she yeah. started, I think she started like in the 20s. Or maybe yeah. even before the 20s. But yeah, um, she. Like, looks like the 1915s. Like the teens. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, but her, her career is just really fascinating. And she's more than just the kooky old lady. You right. know, it's kind of revelatory. But like, oh, she actually did a lot more than just play like kind of weird old ladies. Right. Okay, so um, this is a classic Hollywood episode. Um, I'm glad Jake is here because, as I've said in other class, uh, as I said before about classic Hollywood, it's something I kind of struggle with. It doesn't hold my attention that well, and I enjoyed the letter, but at the same time, it's just something that this is just like the, like the, like the the typical. Not typical. What I'm trying to say, this just had the like the vibe of old Hollywood that kind of turns me off in a way that I'm not really sure why it does. That's that's totally fair. I mean, and the only reason why I love old Hollywood was when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't really allowed to watch a ton of different stuff, and my dad. It wasn't like. I was more encouraged by my, my by my dad to watch this kind of stuff, and you know it started with like Laurel and Hardy and Abbott Costello, and then it, it kind of grew from there, and it's just become kind of everything, except except Van Johnson. I I refuse to watch anything with Van Johnson. He just annoys the crap out of me. But whoa, what what did he do to you? Existed basically. Oh God. Yeah. That's true. He did exist. <laughs> huh. But uh, I, I I get it. I it's just it's one of those things where it's like I think that's also too like these are the types of movies that like you know Almodovar and Fassbender like loved, you know, and emulated, and uh, that's something that's definitely helped me uh, connect with those kinds of filmmakers, um, especially growing up with all this. But yeah, it's. It's one of those movies that it could be considered noir, but it's... I, I don't really consider it noir. It kind of yeah. dances that... It kind of dances that line a little bit. It veers into it mm-hmm. a, a little bit. Like, I can see... Like, I didn't think this was noir, but I, but it, it definitely felt like... I'm not sure even when noir was, like, established as, like, a thing that people recognized, but it definitely has the parts parts of it it's definitely too early because it's 1940 and noir was post-world war ii so okay yeah well uh, oh, Joel, not... oh, did you like this uh, the, did you like this movie no oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's being it had, honest it had nothing to do with it being classic hollywood this one was just particularly boring like uh, the reason i picked it out of the couple you gave me is because mm-hmm. i hadn't heard about it and apparently there's a reason why <laughs> oh. well Jake gave me a list of movies. Yeah, and this is this is actually one of my favorite movies. I don't know. Oh I, I know. I, I know. I'm I'm starting off on a bad foot right now. Van Johnson was just here talking about you, also. <laughs> so yeah, I um, I just honestly, the main thing that stays with me is just that opening scene, and it just kind of just goes from there, and everything. It starts to kind of feel. It's a really weird movie to think about, like, just how people 
handle things. I know that's like a weird way of saying, hey, this is a melodramatic movie, but, you know. Just from how she she uh, maneuvers everything and, you know, screws over her own husband. And it's, it's more, it's, sometimes it feels more like a tragedy than like a melodrama. Because it's just like, I, I just think about that ending and it's just before before the ending ending part but like we're there talking and arguing and it's just like man this is bleak hmm. and it, it just yeah yeah. Um, well, yeah before we get too deep into uh the movie well what's uh you kind of mentioned how you got into classic hollywood but uh have you seen any uh Almodovar? i've seen several clips that's the one that's much like you how you not that I don't like him, but much mm-hmm. like, you know, you and I have talked about kind of classic Hollywood being a little bit of like a blind spot. Mm-hmm. He's a blind spot for me too. So I've seen a lot of clips. The earliest memory I have of Almodovar is being a kid and watching a biography episode on mm-hmm. Antonio Banderas. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first heard about him. And it wasn't until like years later when I was watching uh, the story of film and Odyssey when he was brought up. I was like, "Oh, that remind that I remember that guy." That was it. The poofy hair. That it, that is a very iconic look. <laughs> he's he's kind of like one of those. If you point at him and you're like that guy, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I've seen that guy before." <laughs> I respect the hair though. It's 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 a good choice. It fits him. I feel like. Yeah, I, I, he's in his 70s. I think he still has the poofy hair. I think you're right. I think Which, I've seen pictures of him with it, and it's like it's, uh, he's and he's still rocking it. So yeah. you know, I don't have those kind of jeans. That's why I shave my head bald now. Oh yeah, I I have a lot of hair, but it's just thin hair, so mm-hmm. I, I can't do the. I'd have to maybe grow it out a lot, and I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah, Joel, you should shave your head. It's very freeing to wake up in the morning and not have anything to do with your hair. And just go on with your day. No, no, I've got a very fragile male ego. I'm afraid <laughs> if I shave it, it's never going to come back. And uh, my hair is one of the few things of, of my own body that I actually like, I guess. I don't know. Like is not the word. It's, it's, I, I, I get what you mean, though. I can't get rid of this. It's Yeah, it's your it's identity. It's money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would shave my head, too, but... um. I I, f- I would look like Curly from the Three Stooges. So I, I can't I can't do that. Uh, uh, I, I don't say something, but no, no, not not gonna say it. But I uh, yeah, let's move on. I'd have to cut it out. Okay, you're good. <laughs> it's about someone else who, if they shaved, if they if they, if they went bald, what they'd look like. Oh, okay. Uh, and I know I'll probably forget to cut it out if I say it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so uh, let's see. Um, so, uh, what made you want to pick uh, the Betty Davis category on the list? Um, I I do love like Betty Davis as an actress. I think she's just she's one of those people who's just who's always been interesting on and off the screen. Um, she's she's the reason why we call the Academy Award, the Oscars, because when she went to accept one of her Oscars, 
uh, one year, she she turned around the statue and said, "It looks like my my husband Oscar's butt." So <laughs> that's why we call it the Oscars. At least that's that's a myth. I don't know if that actually happened, but um, I, the story I've heard is like it was uh, someone. It had to do with Oscar Michaud to some degree. Mm. Okay. That's what I came across years ago, but I don't know how true that actually is or not. Right. I, like I said, the one I just said, too, I don't know if that's true or not, either. Joel, have you heard any of either of those stories? I don't, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. What's going on now? <laughs> okay. That's fair. No, no, it's just... Uh, seriously, what were you talking about? The Oscars and how they... Why we, why we say the Oscars instead of the Academy Awards. Oh... Cause I've I heard it, was, it oh. yeah I, I've heard it was because Os- Oscar Michaud was like a tribute to him or something and then but I heard I, I, the, I don't know how yeah to I've never heard that one though Spencer so that one that one makes sense um well, maybe I don't really know I but I've I think I heard that Betty Davis story on a documentary which was you know she it was accepting the award and her husband's name was Oscar and she turned it around and said this looks like my husband oscar's butt (laughs) i can't believe i've said that two times now but here we are i appreciate that no it's no problem i i I do kind of enjoy that story so yeah it definitely sounds like the kind of cheeky story that somebody would especially around hollywood oh yeah like these alternate stories like well they say it's about this but really i heard it was about uh you know yeah how howard hughes penis or something (laughs) that's what he called it yeah um but yeah betty davis is just somebody who i just think is a great actress um she's and when you know and i don't know much about almodovar mm-hmm. outside of like he's primarily known for doing does he mostly do like melodramas or at least his early stuff is melodramas his early stuff is john waters comedies style okay. comedies very transgressive full of like like treating like rape and death very cavalierly and there's okay. always like common shit jokes okay i'd say his more well-known american movies and the critically acclaimed stuff is the melodramatic stuff okay so yeah then uh, then that was what i was thinking i was just thinking like melodramatic you know what they would call the weepies back in the day you know uh, and I don't know why. And the, the letter is just to me. It's just like, it's just, and it's ba- and the thing that's crazy about it is it's based off of a real scandal too. Yeah, the, um, some basic research and saw it's a play from nineteen twenty seven, and there's a movie from nineteen twenty nine, and this is the second movie mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, you're right. Ethel Ethel Proudlock case. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's just an interesting thing cuz it, it does kind of feel like weirdly that opening feels weirdly real to me sometimes. It feels and sometimes it also feels like a dream. It feels it felt very visceral. <laughs> yes. And the rest it, of the movie doesn't it, it, it it's it starts on a really high high and then it kind of mellows out and it's like, no, this is what the movie actually is. It's not Betty Davis killing a man. Yeah. 
if that was the movie, I feel like it would probably be held a little bit higher among her movies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a powerful scene, you know. And one of the things that sticks out with me is, you know, here she's... Not to get too deep, but, you know, mm-hmm. she's... She's killed this man, and, you know, I've, I've never killed anybody, but I wouldn't be able to just sit there and, like, sew or mend or whatever she was doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's a very interesting character, like, uh, trait. Uh, yeah. And, uh, like, the, the opening, like, what this movie, like, structurally is kind of like makes me think of um knife plus heart in that knife plus heart starts out like it's a sleazy jala with like a, mm-hmm. a dildo knife in the opening kill and then the movie <laughs> continues and it's like oh no it's really about a lesbian relationship that fell apart right and that's kind of other than the the dildo knife it's basically kind of <laughs> the same thing yeah it's just the really it's this uh power relationship dissolved and yeah you know, and like yeah, they're very broad strokes. Mm-hmm. And I do like that we don't, because I feel like usually Hollywood would just like, um, would show everything leading up to that. Most of the time, like the argument and whatnot, and that may have been a code thing too. That you know, no relationships out of marriage sort of thing, but um, or even applied, you know. That makes sense. But I still think it's an interesting way to open a movie. And uh, it it is kind of I feel like a slow burn, somewhat. It kind of it kind of peaks and valleys sometimes. Um, it, it it's a slow burn that is paced quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll, I'll uh, Joel, go ahead and talk. No, I was just gonna say, uh, I'm glad you had that like could have been a code thing exclamation because I was thinking there's a part you know when she finally confesses to everything that was going on to her husband Mm -hmm. lawyer and I was like this is the perfect moment for a show not tell but we're getting a tell and I know it's based on a play right I was thinking like maybe they didn't want to have to hire another actor you know for having this argument with her the scene but like Betty Davis would have killed that scene it's just so oh yeah it's kind of disappointed I mean, I it's silly, and that line, you know, she says, with all my heart, I still love the man I killed. It just, oh, just thinking about it still gives me, like, goosebumps. But it's just that melodrama thing that I dig, um, and it's just like, damn. Um, and, you know, of course, with the code, you can't get away with that kind of stuff. So any character that's even, like, implied that they've done that. Um, has to be disposed of usually by death. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. um, and uh, we we did an episode recorded one already on the women. The oh, the Q-Core Q-Core movie, yeah, yeah. And that's a movie that I almost love, where it it kind of takes a while to get, get yeah. the rhythm of what it is. But once I once it clicked in, I was like, this is amazing and like and hilarious. Where like. And that, but that like had code restrictions, but the code mm-hmm. restrictions didn't impede it. It just made it like funnier and more clever. Right. And the code restrictions here just, for me, it kind of hampers it. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, the, uh, the code, I mean, the fact that she could still say, you know, what she said about, you know, still loving the man that she killed when she's married to another man is like, that's a big deal. <laughs> like for back then, like it might've been, it may as well have just been like the equivalent today to like, like a movie getting a rated X rating. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And I think too, sometimes with, you know, watching movies like that from back then today, it gets a little lost because there's a lot of, you know, you got to with, you know, especially with like Lubitsch, you have to look for the, not the nuance, but the, the code, you know, the show don't tell, like you were saying, like, I, I feel like comedies can pull it off easier because oh, yeah. you can just have like people talk really fast and tell jokes and right. Uh, but drama feels it's like a different animal to, mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely very uh, apples to oranges um, when it comes to that because you know Lupage can make a joke, whereas you know you can't do that in a drama. You like, you lose like, your you lose your uh, your your drama credential at that yeah, point. Yeah, like the woman has like the one of the best ending lines I've I've heard in a movie <laughs> recently where it's like. <laughs> Uh, Joan Crawford says, "Like, oh, there's a there's a word for women like you, yep. but it's rude to say outside of Side a, of a kennel." <laughs> yeah, I love that line. That's another thing is I feel like that's another thing why I picked Betty Davis is I feel like Joan and I love Joan Crawford. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like lately I feel like Betty Davis is like seen as like, oh, that's too obvious of a choice. Um, just because she's so big mm-hmm. for her time. And I feel like Joan Crawford maybe gets more love nowadays, um, even though she was, you know, alleged, I don't know. Allegedly I don't know how tr- a bad person. Yes, a bad human being. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just feel like Betty Davis has a more interesting movies. Because, you know, at one point, you know, Joan Crawford left MGM because she was considered like a poison to the box office. So, mm. and went to Warner Brothers where Betty Davis was, and yeah, and that's a whole that's a whole other tangent. But um, wait, wait, so you're you're saying Joan Crawford didn't get along with some people? And I know it's a shocker, right? <laughs> but she's I, known I, for being such a nice person, right? And she got along with everybody. It's not like they made like a book about her, or a TV show, or even a movie. You know. Hmm. Uh. But yeah, uh, but yeah, this movie just, it's also a movie that I feel like the only thing that I, the recent, this has been the recent, I haven't watched it maybe for about a year or two. And, uh, I I don't know if the, uh, the widow of Hammond is supposed to be, oh, how do I put this? Um, is she white? It should be a white yeah. woman and white and uh, Asian yeah, face. yellow face. That's that's the word I was gonna use, but I was looking for something more tactful. But that that works, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, like I thought she was supposed to be like mixed race. I thought so too at first, but it just it was one of those things where I was just like I I couldn't get a um 
I couldn't get it nail it down quite. Uh, and I I can't remember. Does she does she even talk at all? She she speaks in Malay. She okay. speaks a very broken yeah yeah. I, it's, it's not just, Malay though. It's uh, I thought it's supposed, well, to be, thought, supposed to be Mandarin. They say Chinese, but I thought they said Malay. Or maybe, or maybe, actually, or maybe they're or in maybe, Malay. Yeah. The only time they I, label something Malay is in the very beginning when those workers are all asleep and they start waking up. Afterwards, it's all speaking in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it, yeah, it is Mandarin because does um, uh, Cantonese is the how I say it, not that's not Cantonese has a very di- different sound to it. I'm, okay. I I'm sorry. It was Cantonese. It what was Cantonese? Mandarin. Yeah. Oh, one of them. There's some Asian comedian I saw on Comedy Central years ago, who was like, Mandarin sounds, uh, uh, like sounds sounds normal, and uh, Cantonese sounds cartoony. Was oh, how this well. Asian comedian described it. I can't remember who it is. This is like a Comedy Central presents from probably like 2004, 2005. Okay. It's very huh. weirdly s- cell phone. <laughs> um i don't don't know many huh but yeah it's not um, it's not worth trying to track down who it is yeah no uh that's interesting though i i I don't know I, i really only know spanish and a little bit of french so uh so this is iron sharpening iron right now which yeah. is good. Um, but I feel like... I don't know. Uh, the I love the her husband in the movie, Herbert Marshall. He's He's got that weird... One of the things that I'm, like, weirdly nostalgic for that, you know, I didn't really experience, like, when I was alive other than through movies was, like, that weird accent where mm-hmm. you kind of sound English... But you also are American at the same time, like that elocution sort of. The Catherine language. Hepburn. Yeah, like Catherine Hepburn, where even you could, even though he was born in England, you could say Cary Grant's almost American, you know. Yeah. Uh, but and Herbert Marshall, I just feel like he's he's English, but he he played that role really well of that. He's not a dimwit, but he just he uh he I'm trying I, this will this will come off mean, but he he comes off as a good cuck like yeah oh no that's he, perfect he, that's the yeah. perfect term actually <laughs> <laughs> no that's perfect because he's I mean that scene where he's like super jazzed about buying that uh where was it they were going to um. Sumatra. Mm. Yeah. And they're and they know he's like, hey, he's like, we can do it. And I've got the money, and it's like he doesn't even know that the money's gone. That's and it's when the whole thing comes crashing down. Yeah, that's when it's like the bottom just drops out. Yeah. Like he was gonna find out eventually, because if it was his entire right. savings, like He's gonna go like, well, I need to get out two dollars dollars for this, right? He's gonna be like, uh, you don't have four hundred dollars, sir. Get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
but she's she's definitely she's yeah she's it's like you said he's he's a good a good cock <laughs> the good cock coming to abc <laughs> <laughs> they're Don't really watch, trying for... oh joel don't you watch that show like uh the, what's, that's, what's that cvs show you watch the good wife yes that could be a spinoff this because it's the good wife now there's the good fight which is the spinoff and then later the good cook <laughs> um but she's just just i feel bad for him he's just getting played like a fiddle it's just he just he he just stands there and takes it and, until not like the end and then um one of the other things that's really i think inter- that struck me this time watching this movie is obviously well first of all you can't forget the score it's very classic Hollywood. You know, Max Steiner is definitely one of the original kind of goats of that era. Um, yeah, the score, uh, I liked how it sounded East Asian mm-hmm. and uh, like Hollywood at the same time. And it didn't feel like, 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 like I feel like that's something that could easily veer into uh that's being cheap and like, uh, what does what does Asian music sound like? But like, right. actually, stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It it's just it definitely adds a lot to the movie. I think without it, it would not be the same movie. Um, I I just I think. What did you guys? I wanted to get your guys' opinion. There was the couple of scenes where she was out on like the balcony and just staring at the moon. Um, obviously she shouldn't turn into a werewolf. That would have taken <laughs> the movie into a way different direction. That's actually another thing I was disappointed about. <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was like a weird interpretation. It was like, was she hearing voices or was she just? contemplating it was it was interesting uh she's trying to figure out her next move yeah that's pop that's prob. i probably am overcomplicating it well but i mean she is i mean she already has claws so she could turn to a werewolf yeah that's that's fair to me the way she kept staring at it it was like this was the only witness to the truth and this spotlight on her showing, exposing these things. Like, of course, you put a bright light on Betty Davis and her famous eyeballs. Like, mm-hmm. you want to highlight that stuff anyways. Yeah. But really, yeah, like that song. every time she saw <laughs> that light from the moon, it, it was like, she, like you could see the guilty on her face, uh-huh. this, like, terror thing going on. Right. Almost like she was, like naked in a crowd or something like that like like exposed i guess is probably the better word to put it but yeah yeah, she that's actually really good joel that was actually kind of gave me goosebumps but Uh, right high fives yeah (laughs) Uh, but um yeah that's it just i just love that and there was a lot of good uh photography in some of these scenes especially in those uh i guess it'd be the the quarters like the manservant quarters or whatever they're called i don't know if they're the servants or just the workers on the plantation Mm. um but that where they're 
and then they don't they just put the body out there too at yeah. one point which is like was very interesting just to put i don't know if it's maybe like a trick like it was a tradition quote unquote but um, uh I, I read it at well like obviously this movie is uh it, it it's old hollywood and there are asian people right. so it it doesn't take much to fill in the blanks there so it to me just felt like let's leave it out there for them like for them like they can move it when when we need to move it well, just felt like get out, get out. Like I just felt like let's get out of the site for now, so we can deal with that later, and they can, they can move it when we tell them to move it. That's that's pretty much exactly what it was because when she, when they get ready to leave, she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to see it again. It's like, don't worry, we had them move the body, so oh, it was just moved <laughs> to that location and like kind of hidden away, but because. I don't know if that guy was a worker there, but he knew to bring that lady directly to that place to show. That Ong or the other? There are two. There are two, two of them that the spoke. I that guy was, but it wasn't uh, one it wasn't the, Ong. Okay, Ong is the glasses one. Yes. Glasses guy. And then I think Chung Hai was the other one. Oh, there we go. Willie Fung yeah. is Chung Hai. Yeah. That could be. Um, yeah. I think he said a line, right? He was just... He's just kind of. I think maybe in the beginning he did. Yeah, I feel like he had. Yeah, he spoke early on, and then that's it. Yeah, he didn't really have that much to do. And uh, I, I don't want to bring up um of uh, the the women again, but like no. the women had a lot of, cause like the you know the gimmick of the movie, if, mm-hmm. like uh, Jake, you know, is uh yeah no men show up, yeah like they're but it's and amazing. you. Yeah, and, and you see like black women, but the black women in it are always the type of it, like they're given like the the, the uh, standard role, but there's this air of especially the Bar- Butterfly McQueen character who's like, mm-hmm. oh, these white bitches are crazy. <laughs> but but in this, I never got the sense of the like the Asian workers being like these white people are crazy. It just felt like they had no personality, other than like manipulation. I feel like yeah. yeah. I know, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, and that's another thing, too, I think, that with classic Hollywood that, you know, I totally get. I think a lot of people, comedy is a lot easier to understand um, and more relatable. You know, and melodrama doesn't always age really well. Like, and I, I, I love melodrama, but, like, this melodrama didn't feel like big enough. It felt restrained. Cause like 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 Davis right. was going big, right? Oh but yeah. But the but the men around her, like the lawyer, went pretty big, and the husband was like kind of there, like. But he's also also supposed to be kind of like subdued, until right? Until a point, but like it didn't feel like everyone was going big enough. Right. No, I I I agree with that. Um. I think it's because they, I think the the whole thing is they're just like, oh, like the, the reason why they're not going so big eventually, but until eventually is they're like, oh, she, she was just doing what she had to do. You know, it was all justified and not, there was nothing more that her story was what it, she told it and nothing else, you know, uh, she, and then once those layers start to unravel, it's just like, that's when I think they're like, especially with like the letter the the titular letter um 
and uh, they just they just start to it it kind of just starts to unravel and and especially the ending the ending unravels pretty quickly. Um, uh, yeah, the her Ajal, do you have any input on the? Why? Why have I just said? I forgot what I said. Boisterousness of of particular actors. Yeah, like the the, the melodrama. Yeah. So, so I think Betty Davis took her the couple of times where she was allowed to be like that uh, emotional. Like <laughs> the, you say, that last line is like Whoo, that just seals the deal, kind of thing. Like that. Yeah. She, she takes that and she she runs with it. And yeah. The moon scenes where she's silent. She does all this acting that is loud you can see it on her face Mm -hmm. um and like i like the lawyer character and i was very Mm -hmm. sad to read that that actor died like the year after but i also read that he was in like 40 movies in three years or something like that which is like my god got a heart attack yeah oh my gosh i did not know that probably gave him um the pills they give uh uh, judy garland yeah i was just say the pet pills yeah a little bit of little bit of but the, but gave but gave him an adult amount which would kill you yeah and it looks like he worked with Betty Davis a couple of times before that he's probably just on uh on contract at uh Warner Brothers hmm. um but yeah uh that's that's really sad I didn't I didn't even know that because I, I like I took note I was like oh who is this guy like, yeah because he's, he's good really yeah good. But uh, that's why I didn't know who he was. Yeah, he didn't really make it that long. His his first movie role was in 1937, and then he died in 1941. Gosh, that's yeah, that's, that's really sad. <laughs> speaking of fast binder, yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously, um, I'm sure he's a, a nicer person. Fastbinder, uh, allegedly, Fastbinder was kind of was a chaotic yeah. person too. <laughs> to have in your life at all yeah i've i've uh i I have a habit of reading uh people's wikipedia pages sometimes when i'm bored and uh yeah there's fastbender was anything but not he was not boring that's for sure yeah this is just coming from an outsider's perspective but it seemed like he needed drama in his life and yeah. if there was no drama, he'd be like, "Well, I will have to, I have to create more drama, so <laughs> yeah. my life is crazy." Right? No, definitely. Um. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Where are the, the oh, we I don't think we mentioned it at all yet. Um, it's almost forty minutes in, but William Wyler is a director. Oh yeah, and he's a director I really like because he directed yeah. um, the Children's Hour. Uh, yep. One of the underrated Audrey movies, which is coming up and no one has picked yet so far. Hmm. I imagine it's not that famous though, so maybe no one it's, cares. It's about kind it. of a deep cut, I feel like, for his yeah. his career. It's I don't, I don't, children's Hour that that scares people away. Yeah, it has the girl from Alien in it. Uh, well, woman in Alien, she's a pilot. What is her name? As a yeah, little girl, uh, Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, yeah, she's. I yeah. think she's a little girl who. Uh, n- never mind. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah. But she, I think she's a shitty little girl in that who kind of sparks the story. She's a shitty little girl. 
there's a little girl character in that movie who kind of sets the story off, who is very mean. And that's the... Just watch the movie. Okay. Is there a children's choir in it? No. It's a Don't gay movie. Good. So it has kind of aged weird. For, for a time, it was kind of like, oh, they're training gay characters pretty pretty well. And then right. it kind of... But you look at it now, it's like, this is archaic. You yeah, can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still still good. I still want still still do want to talk about someone. Yeah, William Wyler is just kind of one of the was that guy in Hollywood. I think he was one of those contemporaries that now doesn't really get his flowers like he should. I mean, he did Ben Hur, um, the best years of our lives, you know. Oh, and Joel, don't you like Wuthering Heights? The 38, yeah, 39 he, version? 39, he did Wuthering Heights, yeah. I've never seen it, but he did Roman Holiday, which I, I really like. That's a great movie, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, one that's one that i like to give a shout-out to is The Harris with uh, Olivia de Havilland. That's a really good one. Hmm. She is who is she sisters with oh. that it's like I had no idea. Uh Joan Crawford? No Fontaine. We were just talking about Fontaine, yes. Joan Fontaine, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um and Weiler also directed, I think, the best uh arguably one of the best Audrey Hepburn movies, uh, How to Steal a Million. He did one th- one that no one ever talks about. And like yeah. I think I've when we had Tony Stella on years ago, I mentioned it, he was like, I love that movie. And it's like, okay, finally someone else has seen this movie. <laughs> like, no one talks about How to Steal a Million, but it's it, it's her most fun movie. By I far. think it's one of those movies where people look at it and you go, oh, that's too obvious. And I think that's the problem. But it's but that's the point. It's a, it's a fun rom-com. Right. They steal a Million. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> it's like, How to Steal a Million... And A Man Escaped both give the plot away to their respective films. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he's done Westerns. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, the direction was really good in this, in the letter. Like, there was the shot of the, um, when they were in the courtroom, the mm-hmm. way that's all lined up is... I don't know. Just it was very satisfying to look at because you could every everybody's fanning themselves, and then there's also the like the fans running, and it's obviously not doing any good. And there's there's so many yeah movies that take place in these areas where you know all the people are complaining about how hot and sweaty and swampy it is. Like there's a scene where um, I can't remember uh, like. The lawyer's wife and and I guess oh niece. they're like the on other the porch and they're like we're going oh we we need to take a shower yes I'm feeling sticky let's all go <laughs> yeah 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 showers in the middle of the days what are you crazy right yeah it it just I, I like when they show and don't tell that that was what was nice about that shot it was just it gave you all the info you needed. Nobody had to complain about it being hot. Yeah. Yeah, like, when people talk about, like, the best movies to portray, like, intense heat, this, yeah. I think, should be in the, in the conversation. Because it's, oh, like, it's always, like, do the right thing, which 
does mm-hmm. it brilliantly with color scheme. This is just like having people fanning themselves with fans mm-hmm. going on and little lines like it's, but also maybe might be too subtle for, uh, yeah, for like immediate, uh, reaction. Right. Well, and maybe the, you know, you were talking about how some of them, uh, the, the guys don't really go for it. Maybe it's mm-hmm. meant to be, and again, I may be reading way too much into this, but maybe it's a reflection of like, man, the heat is really just draining them of their energy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I live in, on the East Coast where it's uh, hot and humid during summer, so. Right. Uh, I can understand just, for, like, for, like for me, when it's summer, like, I don't go outside that much because I just get. It just sucks the life out of me. Yeah, no, I, I, I do too. It's it's rough. I also burn like uh, paper dipped in gasoline. So. Oh. Are you Irish? Uh, no, I'm actually Croatian. Oh, so. are you are you Kessler's cousin? <laughs> you know, it's possible. It's it's I'm very sure. possible. Oh. Oh. <laughs> For people listening, uh, Martin Kessler is Czech. Not not Croatian. Oh, I was yeah. gonna say what? <laughs> I was making a joke about Central Europeans. I'm sure no, it was I'm a sure, good joke. I'm sure Martin would appreciate it. They're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you guys feel about the ending? I'm I'm curious about that. Did that just feel too neat? Wrap it with a bow, Hollywood ending, or how? What did you guys think about that? I liked how, like, it, it opened up with a visceral scene of Betty Davis uh, killing the man, and then I liked this end of, like, uh, the man, of, like, the uh, widow gaining revenge, mm-hmm. and, like, it felt it felt visceral, and so it's like it ended on, like, on a similar note it opened with, and I, I did appreciate this. It wasn't, like, it wasn't super violent, but it was definitely, like, oh, holy shit. Right, they, like they kind of went for it. Like I figured something would happen to her, but I didn't think it would be that uh, that, that effectively done. Right. Mm. Um, uh, J-Dog, uh, you. Yeah, uh, I really like that you pointed out his book in because I didn't really think about that. But yeah, um, I didn't either. I uh, I have a real problem with the whole. This this was his very stoic wife that walks around and very slowly with jewelry all over herself in this this area like no one else does like what what is her i was like expecting to find out she was some i don't know a cult leader or something weird no she's just racist she's just (laughs) (laughs) that's basically what it is (laughs) it's yeah it's just not it was just weird and so the thing I like about that ending is that it just happens, and then you know that police officer, but it's just like, okay, we're leaving. Like, okay, and there's not like, a, oh no, she's been murdered, kind of thing like that. It's just that's yeah. And guess what? She died because she cheated on her husband. And that's the way the cookie crumbles at the Hayes Code. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Hayes Code or Production Code? I think you can do either or. The only reason why they called it the Hayes Code is because the guy that set the code was the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distribution of America. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, I could could talk about the Hayes Code and why it was started. Go for for, it. Well, definitely 
in the 20s, so you got to remember Hollywood was very new, um, very party central, um, a couple of factors. Um, a lot of murders were starting to happen in Hollywood with famous people like William Desmond Taylor, um, you know, overdoses like, uh, like I think Jack Pickford and, uh, and then there's the whole, and they've, they've never made a movie about this, but I don't know how well it would do now with the whole Me Too movement, but the Fatty Arbuckle, Virginia Rappé, um, alleged rape. Uh, and that was one of them. And, uh, so they're like, all this stuff's happening. They're like, Hey, we need to, we need to clean this up. So they bring in this Presbyterian guy named William H. Hayes, who was the postmaster general under Harding and the former head of the Republican National Committee. And he's just, they're just bringing him in to like clean it up. And he's, he just makes rules and you have to like, follow so, him. So he, he worked in a post office? He was the postmaster general under Warren Harding. But he had nothing to do with like the arts? No, he had absolutely nothing to do with the arts. That was huh. the thing is like he he knew nothing about the arts, <laughs> which seems seems kind of like a Hollywood thing to do or hmm. the government getting involved. Well, yeah, it seems like something they would do now. Yeah, yeah. which I think they have. Uh, and and like he uh, he knew he was out of his league and stuff like that, trying mm -hmm. to get people to agree to certain things and stuff like that. So it wasn't the Hayes code for very long. Mm -mm. It got taken out of his hands pretty quickly. <sighs> but, of course, he gets stuff with all the blame and stuff like that. Yeah, and of course he was born in Indiana. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. And if you ever see a picture of him, he just looks like a square. You, you just look at him, you're like, he's a square. You know, does he does he have that Midwestern look? He's got that Midwestern look, but he also looks like he's kind of melting. Okay, <laughs> if that it's makes like any the, sense. <laughs> yeah, I got I gotta see. It's like when I say Midwestern look, I mean like Bob Kirk. You look at him and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's he a Midwestern be, guy. Yeah, uh, he looks more like an aggressively Midwestern guy. I guess would be a better way to put it. For that era, especially. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so basically, uh, it, so are our terms interchangeable between production code and Hayes code? It it basically is kind of like slang, Hayes code, and I think production code was like the official, like word, okay. um, which is. Uh, you are not. You are not lying. He looks like a wax figure that's melting. I I, I know. I was like, <laughs> he he's just a square that looks like he's melting. I mean, it's it, it just uh he just and he was yeah he's and of course like I said of course he's from Indiana. He was born in Indiana. Like is there so why did they pick the postmaster general to Hollywood to clean it up? There was a lot of, um, lot of religious organizations and other. But, but, but why the postmaster general? Why do, why do you why do you think he has the answer? I don't yeah. know. I, I I know it's a good question, and I uh, 
it's it's something that uh, scholars have been trying to figure out <laughs> since it happened. No, uh, I'm I'm curious too because he. Um, it was it was basically just public. It was a PR move. That's all it was. They're just like, oh, okay. let's pick the squarest square from <laughs> Squaresville, and put him in Hollywood to clean it up. Hmm. It'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like instead of having Andy Griffith as your sheriff, you'd have like, like Mister Belvedere. Well, I don't know. Mister Belvedere seems too harsh, but Mister Belvedere is kind of cool. I don't know. Uh, Ryan Felipe. That works, yeah. Ryan Felipe. Uh, who, who who is from Delaware, but I think he's kind of a, a, a milk toast actor. Yeah, I agree. He's very bland. Oh, uh, I haven't mentioned this in a few years. His grandma used to live at a home I worked at. Oh, really? Yes. That's cool. I. I never. He, if he came by, it was a it's not as a day I never worked. As a day I didn't oh. work. And if he did come by, I would have heard about it. Mm-hmm. But as far as I know, like he would call her all the time. Well, that's good. But, uh, yeah, it, she was very nice. I yeah. don't know if she's still alive or not. It's been like seven years. But uh, yeah, she's a nice huh. lady. Well, that's good. It's it's funny they uh, they wanted somebody very clean cut and imaged, but you know, uh, Hayes got a divorce in 1929, so. And back then, that was that was a no-no, but yeah, uh, hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah. my my grandpa's parents got divorced when he was five, and this was like early forties. That's which, true. Which was to me was insane. When I learned, it's like I I didn't know that was even legal in America <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, like in the women, right? That's why you go to Reno. Yeah. Yeah. But they were New Yorkers and. I guess New York was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, that's what Hollywood people used to do, too. So California apparently mm-hmm. was okay with it. Or Mexico. I think sometimes, too. Go to Mexico for all kinds of reasons. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hang um, out with Anthony Quinn. Did, uh... Anthony, I f- Anthony Quinn, yes. <laughs> Anthony like... Quinn was Mexican, for anyone who's oh. wondering. <laughs> I think he, Robert Mitchum get caught in Mexico? Is that where he got caught with drugs or something like that? I don't remember where he got caught. Mm. I don't know. Grabbing the wacky tobacco. (laughs) He liked that. Um, He's a, uh, he's a, when he was still alive, he, he went to high school in Delaware because he's a, he's a troublemaker. Yes. It didn't, didn't really work. Uh, But uh, he had a home in Maryland, I think. Mm -hmm. Or, Del- or maybe somewhere in Delaware, but uh, I know people who like would see him regularly at his, at, and he had certain spots he'd go to. Right. And he was just like super nice, super chill, and uh, it didn't like it, it. Everyone said like it. He didn't seem like a movie star. He just seemed like just a, a cool dude. Yeah. Who, could, who you could talk to. Yeah, I. Uh, Dan Dan Pullen was telling me a story. About somebody he would see at, like, his local supermarket, like, in his hometown when he was a kid. And it was somebody that was just, like, he said that they would just be... I want to say it was Robert Stack, but I don't quote me on that. Hmm. Um, 
but yeah it was it's just it's always interesting that we elevate these people to um such high levels and then you just meet them and they're just people you know yeah um I'm a, yeah i'm a big buffy fan i got to hang out with amber benson oh that's awesome i'm a big and, buffy fan too that's really uh, cool she's super cool super chill like she's this like like the most one of the most down earth people like famous people yeah. i've ever come across right um i think another thing too that with the haze code just one more thing um i think that was especially with all those scandals it made the studios kind of uh create like their kind of like own fixer departments like you know trying to get stuff out of the press and stuff like that you know like like oh this is so i don't i don't talk about this much often but my dad uh co-wrote a book with mo of the three stooges daughter uh called the three stooges scrapbook and the Three Stooges, uh, originally before they were a solo act, worked with this actor named Ted Healy. And um, Ted Healy, I guess, liked to drink, and not, but not too bad. And he, they, he worked at MGM, and um, he went out one night after his his child had been born, like his firstborn child. I think it had a son. This is the story that my dad tells me that Mo actually told my dad. So, um, he went out, you know, have celebrate his firstborn son, and he came across Wallace Beery, and hmm. they got into a fight, and basically Wallace Beery basically like killed him. So, oh. yeah, and he still had a career. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, what was it? Uh, we'll back on topic, but uh, yeah, on the Rialto Report, a great mm-hmm. podcast about the history of the porn industry in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's episode on, I think it was Jim South episode. He was a, a, a agent slash manager for uh, porn stars and nude models, and he uh, had he was friends with the dad from Beverly Hillbillies and there's a story about uh, some producer or something I think it was like a Hollywood guy who who wanted one of his models in a movie and and Jed Clampett Mm -hmm. uh, he he had him track down the guy and like pull a gun on him so he'd actually pay him (laughs) so (laughs) so he just could get the money that he was owed (laughs) because apparently Jed Clampett would carry a gun with him at all times well, he did play Barnaby Jones, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hearing that about him was like, okay, that kind of fits my mental image of <laughs> that kind of a guy. <laughs> Ernest P. Whirl. No, uh, Jed Clampett from... Uh, uh, Buddy Hack, Not Buddy Hackett. Buddy Epson. Talking about the Beverly Hills Billy movie, or Hillbilly. Oh. <laughs> I think he was dead by... Was he dead by the movie? Oh, he's. Uh, let's look here. The, the oh, original yeah. actor who oh, played a dad. He must have been. He was an old man. No, right? actually, he died in 2003. Oh, yeah. Oh. 
So that would have been Jim Varney. No, he did. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was Jim Varney. Oh, he did, he actually had a cameo in the movie. It looks like. So that's interesting. Yeah, I knew a lot of them had cameos in the movie. Yeah, I used to love that show as a kid. My dad and his and my dad from West, is from West Virginia, and he and mm-hmm. he and his family loved that show growing up. They didn't think it was offensive. They're just like, "This is hey, hey, it's us on TV." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. I, I I liked it growing up too, but it 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 kind of gets old after a while for me. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I I don't know if I would still enjoy it. Probably not. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, okay. Anything else about the letter we talk about? I I I did like we didn't talk about the actor who played Og. Mm-hmm. Yes, Og. Not not Ang. Ang is a different Victor character. Yes. Yeah, Ang is Ang is last Airbender, Ong the <laughs> the character in this movie. Right. Um, I like that there was at least one Asian person who got to, you know, actually talk and do stuff. Right. It wasn't much, but it's still like okay, there's something for them to do. Right. No, I I uh, I love rewatching movies that I love like this, and and that was something I caught this viewing is like. There's that scene too where he and the lawyer are talking, and um, the lawyer they're in the parking lot, and the lawyer gets in his car, and it's this, and he pulls out, and it's this nice car, and then Ong gets in his car and drives off, and it's just this loud jalopy, like just such an interesting like show of like class. Hmm. Yeah. It's on, that's on our show don't tell it's like that's all you need exactly. to know like this is like this guy is high up for your local population this is all he can get right exactly when the lawyer probably had his brought in from you know home or whatever so yeah uh, hey, uh I, think, I, like, I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again maybe but I'm curious the other is it Jezebel, the other Wyler movie with Betty Davis? That's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious because like I like Betty Davis a lot so far. I've seen Dark Victory. Yeah, and what did you uh, what did you think of that one? If I still had Letterbox and rated stars, I would go. I think I'd go maybe four out of five. That's that's fair. It, it's I'm, a it's a good movie. It's it's such a weird cast to think about too. Got Ronnie Reagan in there. Ronnie, uh, Humphrey Bogart, you know. It's, it, yeah, a uh, baby Ronald Reagan. I've never seen him so young. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, and that's a that ending always gets me too, in Dark Victory. Um, yeah, but like the melodrama in Dark Victory for me worked a lot better because it felt like it felt like the movie was uh, more in sync with it, where this mm-hmm. just felt kind of repressed. Like, totally, yes. it's just kind of strange to me. Right. Um, uh, J- J-Dog, final thoughts? I I don't... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you are, which makes me feel bad, because our guest loves this movie. And, oh, it's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, Dark Victory is another one that I've seen... It's not as good as burnt offerings, but it's pretty good. Um, 
<laughs> I gave it three and a half, but like I have very good memories of that one. Like Betty Davis gets to do a lot more with her role. This one, she's she's playing someone who's like keeping herself together and mm-hmm. you know expects things to just work out because she knows she's done something crazy and she knows why she did it, but she can't tell anyone why. Right. And it's, uh, and yeah, it's. It's very, uh, it's a weird, like, it's always funny because it's, it just reminds me of watching like true crime shows where they'll like, somebody will kill their spouse and you're like, how did they think they were going to get away with this? (laughs) And it's the same, it's kind of the same thing with her. It's like, how did you think you'd get away with this? Like, I guess maybe back then it was a little bit easier, but it just was like, I, I don't understand people when they kill people and they're just like I'm going to walk away and live my life you know oh, it just yeah, happened I, in South Carolina I think it was South Carolina the guy who killed his son and wife I'll look into it It uh, well, by the time it comes out it'll be, it'll be a couple months later so I'm dating already <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Murtaugh Murtaugh something like that I have heard that name Oh, Murdoch. Just... Yeah, the trial that's going on right now. Yeah, uh, no, it, he is found guilty. and gets has a life sentence. I think that's what happened yesterday. Oh, yeah, it looks like it. If that's the is that the dad that did it or the husband? Yeah, the dad like? killed his wife and his one son. And other son was not in the house at the time, so that's the only hmm. reason his other son survived. That's interesting. Uh, he looks like. Uh... Gosh, this this is gonna make me look bad, but the guy who played uh, Chris Farley's dad in Tommy Boy, that's what, <laughs> Ryan Dennehy. That's who he looks like to me. <laughs> there was this one picture of him in a no suit, he, and I just that's who it looked like. But there's no way he's as sexy as Brian Dennehy. No, no, no. It's very <laughs> muted, very muted. Oh, well, he he was from Tommy Boy. That's one of my favorite jokes in any movie ever. Mm-hmm. It, when they're in the beginning, when they're going through the factory, mm-hmm. and Chris Farley says, can I uncover my eyes now, Dad? And his dad says, I never told you to cover your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that movie. <laughs> I can't hear the Carpenters the same way without <laughs> laughing because of that movie. That, that joke is so perfect. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of them in that one. I still like I, I I've connected to so many people just by referencing that movie. <laughs> just the other day, I said, "Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll give you my Herbie Hancock." <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends used to be like one, two, niner. <laughs> Whoa! My friend and I will go if we're talking about directions. We'll we'll talk like that gas station attendant. It's twenty-two miles away. <laughs> Uh, so, I was gonna say about like people getting away from stuff. Like from what I understand, like the idea of somebody like really planning out their murder of whoever they're going to murder mm-hmm. is just like so uncommon. It's not really. Most people don't think about like I'm gonna get away with this. They right. they just do it and it's done. Right. And then afterwards, they're like, "What do I do to make sure nobody knows?" And uh, they trial that this one was based on the woman was actually found guilty there wasn't like a big 
you know, jury thing, like, mm -hmm. he's showing this movie, which I thought was funny. Like, wait, where did all these white guys come from? I know. <laughs> they, they didn't holler back to England or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Central casting was uh, was running a little, little slow that day, so. Yeah. It's like, if we got a courtroom, might as well take advantage of it here. <laughs> Put on some wigs. Just like the lawyers. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I just got the, which I don't know if that's, that seems to be only like an English, practice. Uh, that's that's also in colonized areas too. Nigeria okay. still does it. That makes sense then. Barristers and judges, yeah. Yeah, it, a lot like basically the parts of Africa that England, um, uh, ruined, they still mm -hmm. a lot of them still do it. Damn, that makes sense. Of course, it looks so stupid when you see pictures of it. Oh yeah, I never forget. I was watching. And like it's it's West Africa. It's hot and humid. Yeah. Why would you wear a a, a wig. heavy ass wig, and cover yourself all in black, when it's hot and humid at all times? I, I don't understand it either. I uh, never forget watching like I want to say it was like an episode of like Masterpiece Mystery or something like that, and that was like culture shock to me to be like. Why are they wearing wigs? <laughs> the fact that they still do it now is weird to me. Yeah. yeah. This what point's you, what just... ceremony you're standing on? Like, what is the? There has to be a purpose, and the only thing I could think about is like making everyone look uniform in a way. But that's not. Well, it's usually only the lawyers, so maybe it's a way to, <laughs> I guess, maybe to make the lawyers stand out. So if you lose, if you kind of like, if you're in the crowd and you're like, or the jury. You lose your focus. You're like, oh crap! Where's the person who's talking? And it's <laughs> can't tell uh, which one of those lawyers wear their I wigs. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Somebody needs to be wearing a pink wig. Just <laughs> make everybody in the room wear wigs. <clears throat> she said, "I didn't even think about that." Like, <laughs> audience, audience, a... I'm an audience member at this trial. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, the, oh, the 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 letter is available out there it's it's a I, I guess it's a classic i don't know jake you're you're a pair authority is this it's a classic um i mean betty davis was nominated for an oscar um so it's in that kind of category um i consider it a classic i think it's just it's just a memorable uh you know it's 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 kind of one of those like if you're showing like a a highlight reel of Betty Davis's like career. If you leave this one out, it's kind of like, eh, you should leave this in. Like, you need to include this. Um, it's not like all about Eve or, um, you know, uh, what's the other, whatever happened to Baby Jane. It's not anything like that. It's probably somewhere, maybe like an A to a B tier Betty Davis movie. And considering with her career, but it's one of my personal favorite movies, um, and uh, I'm not I'm not offended that you guys were kind of eh on it. It's it's a different kind of movie, especially when you're used to, especially since you saw Dark Victory. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're two different movies, and uh, another one if people like Dark Victory is. Uh, now Voyager, which is a good one too. Now oh, Voyager is yeah, that's a really I've, good one. I've heard of that one. I believe that's uh, there's a Nevermore song or album 
what that title was. It might be maybe a reference to that. They're they're a metal band that doesn't exist anymore. It's a That's, it's it's also from a Walt Whitman poem too. Maybe that, from the poem. Yeah. Walt uh, Whitman originally got it from this metal band from back in the day too. So it's kind of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so, kind of like this weird. <laughs> Circle of life thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a big world Dane fan. Rest in peace. Yeah, died too young. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, 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 yes. Well, at the ripe and the the young age of seventy two. Yeah. Mm. Gone but never forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I might include a, a clip from uh, the Nevermore song on here. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's see. This is nineteen forty. Yes, and I all I have from 1940 is one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> wait, what was it? I have to look at 1940 again. I had one thing that I have seen that oh, uh, Philadelphia Story. Yeah, that's which that's a great one. You and I talked about, and you're yeah. like, oh, uh, that's a Cary Grant movie, and I was like, yeah, it is. I'm like. <laughs> It's funny to watch that, and then it's funny to watch High Society and be like, oh, this is a remake of a Cary Grant movie, and think, what? Yeah. No, it's he does kind of slowly kind of fade away, I feel like, in that film sometimes. Yeah, but, oh, uh, definitely. Yeah, but, it's a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, to me, like that's a Jimmy Stewart movie, because like, Cary Grant, and it's like, he's there, but mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, it's like, I kind of forgot. He's, he's, in, he's yeah. in that movie. Yeah. yeah, definitely. He, uh, you know, and that says a lot about him because that was like an early role for Jimmy Stewart. It was a big role for Jimmy Stewart, actually. Um, and um, his drunk acting is very Kurosawa style drunk acting. Yes, no, definitely. Is, I like it, but I can see that being grating for some people. Oh, it's Jimmy Stewart. Like, he's everybody's, like, dad. Like, you you can't hate Jimmy Stewart. I know, but drunk acting is something that can be done very poorly. I love it when it's done poorly. I, I especially... Listen, I grew up with, like, Laurel and Hardy, Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello. Some of that drunk acting's awful. But it's it's funny as heck sometimes. <laughs> One of my favorite performances is somebody doing a really bad drunken acting thing I believe um, the most famous line from that performance is mm-hmm. I did not hit her I did not I, didn't, you know, I don't know why you're saying that oh hi Mark <laughs> something like that oh hi um, March yeah <laughs> uh, and my other thing is one that okay I, oh, two quick ones Azora Neil Hurston mm-hmm. uh, she did documentaries uh, I didn't know that. which isn't talked about as much i feel i've any of but she one of her documentaries uh commandment keeper church beaufort south carolina may 1940 uh okay. was made this year and um i've only seen one of her uh documentary things i think from her 30 30s or 20s mm-hmm. but uh it's 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 interesting like it's uh it should be tracked down and seen. Okay. And I'll have to check that out. That's awesome. I did not know that about her. And for if you don't know, listeners, she wrote Their Eyes Were Watching God uh, and other stuff, too. And the other thing is Boomtown. I think it was Boomtown. It's a uh, 
when Paul. Thank God, I have to. I close the thing. Uh. Oh, Clark Gable. Nope, it's. What is his name? I have to look up 1940 movies again. Uh, Paul Robeson movie. What is it called? Oh, okay. There's also a Boomtown from 1940. Proud, the Proud Valley. That's okay. Got titles mixed up. The Proud Valley. It's after he got kicked out of the U.S. the first time. Mm -hmm. Think yeah, the first time he got kicked out of the U.S. um, He went to the U.K. and Mm. he became like a working class hero in the U.K. Uh, in the U.S., he's kind of still not talked about, and his mm-hmm. legacy is not what it should be. But no. in, in the U.K., he made much like pro-union, pro-labor stuff, and worked in gun the politics. Mm-hmm. And he is like beloved over in the U.K. by the like lower class in certain areas where he where he like helped out uh, politically. And uh, this is one of his movies that I haven't seen. But the Proud Valley is on archive.org in full, and there's probably a disc of it somewhere. But uh, yeah, his farmers and his Welsh and English movies, he actually gets stuff to do. Where in oh. the Hollywood stuff, he you know, he gets to sing a song, and that's kind of it. It looks like there's a Studio Canal DVD. Yeah, and, it's, ha- oh. and it's on the BFI channel on Amazon, if people are subscribed yeah. to that. Yeah, because the UK, they love him over there, but in yeah. America, he's a dangerous socialist or some shit. Yeah, I don't understand that. Well, well, he supported unions, Jake. Oh, yeah, because, you know, unions are really bad, you know. Yeah. He wants equality for all people. He can't have that. Yeah, he... He just doesn't want everybody to be independent contractors. You know, Miles supported unions back in the day. Who was that? Reagan. You know what happened with that guy? He got shot. He continued oh, yeah. to support unions and help out America. Yep. <laughs> Only the best. Oh, could, could go real dark here, but I won't go with that. Just that dark. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Jake, you got yeah. stuff from 1940? Yes, absolutely. Um... One of my favorite Christmas movies that I love to watch every year. Uh, somebody who I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, The Shop Around the Corner, uh, directed by Ernest Lupich, uh, kind of bounces off your other, uh, your pick too, uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Margaret Sullivan, who I believe was married to William Wilder at one point. So, wow, I didn't, I just picked that movie because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been remade, you know, uh, as you've got mail in the nineties. Uh, I really like this one. It's just a very sweet, it kind of warms your heart during Christmas, the season. So, um, it's just a good, just a good movie. Um, you can never really go as far in my experience, you can never go wrong with, uh, Ernst Lupich. Um, I think we have one of his movies coming up. I've never seen a single one yet. Oh, man. I think we have Eve? Talk about... No, what is it called? All About uh, Eve? No. There's <laughs> a title that I've heard a, a lot. It's like a real famous one that gets talked about a lot. 
Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, <coughs> Who's in it? Do you know? I don't to remember. Be or not to be Trouble in Paradise, Nanachka. Uh-huh. Oh. Angel, have him wait. I I have to look it up again. Someone picked it. Okay. I, I, that's because it was like classic Hollywood movie. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll pick it. Those, those are all remember. his movies. They're we're done. Just kidding. He's gonna. Clooney Brown, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. Bluebeard's um, eighth I, wife. <laughs> now you're going deep cuts. Uh, but yeah, I love that. I love the shop around the corner and uh, a book. Ironically enough, uh, I love Raymond Chandler's stuff, and um, just so happens in 1940, Farewell, My Lovely came out. So that's another, another. Uh, that's a book that I like and enjoy. Of Robert Mitchum. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm just going full circle. Um. But yeah. Um. And then. Uh, I'll uh. What was there was one more that I had. Let me pull it up here. Give me just a second. Um. Oh, well, uh, uh, the foreign or foreign correspondent, uh, mm-hmm. it's a great Hitchcock movie. I think I've never heard of that one. You've never seen that one. Oh, I've seen four Hitchcock. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. It's I've seen early I've seen in the, his U S career. So that makes sense. Earliest one I've seen is lifeboat, which I think is mostly a good movie, but I kind of get bored by the end yeah i don't think i've ever actually <laughs> sat through that one entirely i wish the poster included uh canada lee but it doesn't yeah. uh but you yeah know, for the him. one black uh, anyone don't know he's the one black actor in the whole movie and he has a kind of a big part but he's not included on the uh the on the poster. poster yeah that checks uh, out unfortunately everyone else is yeah, even Tallulah Bankhead, who barely, uh, I feel like wasn't an actor's really, but, uh, yeah, Foreign Correspondent, great Hitchcock movie, um, but yeah, those are, those are some, I, I thought I had seen a lot more from 1940 than I actually had had seen, and it was one of those very humbling moments when I was looking, and I was like, wow, there's not a lot for me to recommend. Uh, that I've seen so um, but yeah those are or wait a, oh no that was that was in the year after but yeah you can do the year after please it doesn't matter <laughs> okay I was trying to stay on brand uh, you, you're staying on brand by going uh, by not staying on brand oh perfect um, well uh, one of the cinematographers who shot I believe the letter um, let's see here. I'll make sure I got this right. Shot. Oh, frick. I want to say, I won't, don't quote me on this, but he shot High Sierra. Yes. 
The cinematographer who shot the letter also shot High Sierra with Humphrey Bogart and Ida Lupino, which is a real, uh, it's an, I feel like a really good, uh, Raoul Walsh, Walsh, uh, Bogart movie. So, and I, I feel like you can honestly never go wrong with Ida Lupina. So, I think Trouble in Paradise is something I put on the list. Maybe that's a that's a really good one. I I've probably I think I looked, I think I looked up Precode Hollywood and that popped up. That's probably why I put it, it there. It would either be that one or Design for Living, which is very racy as well. So, and I have the Lady Eve is what I was trying to think of, but that's a different person. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, just to show, like, I don't know classic Hollywood. I got I got that stuff all mixed up. Oh, it's... I think the Lady Eve is uh, Preston Sturgis. Preston Ooh, Sturgis. <laughs> I don't know what the Lady Eve is, but it's coming up later in the season, so I'll, 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 I'll watch it and know what it is when I watch it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good Barbara Stanwyck movie. Uh, but yeah. Those are, uh, those are my picks. So, uh, Jay Diesel. Well, luckily, I have a couple of picks that you guys didn't pick out. Thank goodness. So, first, first I want to talk about the shop around the corner. Ah, crap. Um, <laughs> okay, the other one I was going to say was Foreign Course. Ah, god damn it. Those are literally the two I had picked out. But <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Happens all the time. So, um, this was the year of Disney flops. Uh, one that I'm very close with and i have a uh a podcast episode with a couple of other people that i know that i've never bothered to edit or post that i feel mm-hmm. really bad about but whatever it's a movie called pinocchio oh everyone's nightmare film probably depending on what age you saw it but it's just so many different things that you could as a kid you could be like what the hell's happening <laughs> the fun songs and like the animation is just you know, it's that Disney level back then. It looks amazing. And, I, you know, from what I understand, the story itself is... The original story is much sadder than this one is. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have the happy reunited ending, I don't think. And Jiminy Cricket dies right in the original story. Mm-hmm. Or whatever wow. his name is. Yeah, I and think in the story he's it. called the Cricket. I think Jiminy Cricket was a Disney... That's a Disney-fied sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But... You, they say the name Jiminy Cricket in uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It was just another way of saying Jesus Christ without saying Jesus Christ. Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Production code added again. Mm. Um, so, Pinocchio. Walt Disney really, also loved unions. Probably knows about that one. <laughs> and, which, is, mm-hmm. which is really funny considering that Sergei Eisenstein loved Disney. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can't win them all. We all have a problematic fave. Yeah. <laughs> Eisenstein, it just happened to be Disney. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the other flop that came out was Fantasia, which everyone agrees now is like a masterpiece, but I believe back in the day, no one came went to see it. That's not what... I don't want to talk about that, though. What I want to talk about is a monumental moment in history. The, the a, Elmer Fudd cartoon? No, that's a good guess. That is a good okay. guess. It is, it is, a, you pick, it is a cartoon and it is nine pick, minutes long. Yeah, you pick the Looney Tunes a lot for these years. That's wow. fair, though. I, I it, it's fine, but like, I, yeah. 
especially when you think of Looney Tunes, you don't think about the context that they they were out these years. Like when I was a kid watching them in the eighties, they were on TV. Yeah. Nothing like oh, the Flintstones always felt stupid to me. It was like, well, am I supposed to get these jokes? That's because it right. was like an animated sitcom, which is not for just, children. It was just prehistoric honeymooners, but go on. Exactly. Uh, so a Oscar-nominated movie, or not movie, short, anime short came out here. It starred a cat named Jasper. And a mouse named Jinx. Oh, I know what this is. Of this short was that if Jinx got caught breaking anything in the house again, then this very stereotypical mammy was going to kick him out of the house. Of course, next time those two appeared together, they were called Tom and Jerry. Oh. So this is. I knew it when you when you said Jinx. I was like, oh, I know what this is. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so the, like I'd seen this this uh, it's called Puss Gets the Boots or Gets the Boot, and I've seen it before like a couple of times, and it never never re- like I knew they were calling the cat Jasper, and that was kind of weird, but mm-hmm. uh, it never occurred to me that it was the very first Tom and Jerry cartoon, basically. And like I did not know that. I've talked to some people that are like I hate Tom and Jerry, like. Jerry is just like the devil. He's the worst. Like that's, <laughs> it's a cartoon about violence. You know, it's like the Three Stooges. <laughs> Basically, the, yeah. I mean, literally. The the jokes came from uh, how awful they were, but also just like it's hilarious watching people get blown up but not die. Right. People don't understand slapstick, unfortunately. I feel like so weird. <laughs> like so, like. Tom and Jerry is such a key to my my humor, even mm-hmm. as an adult. There's so many things that I feel like I could just trace back to, like, well, there was this one moment in Tom and Jerry where the joke <laughs> the joke seemed like it happened, and then the joke really happened. And it's like, yep. Yeah. That's how I usually try to pull my stuff. Anyways, I just love that. Uh, so that's the thing I'm going to recommend if you haven't seen it. Huh, I probably have seen it. I, Cartoon Network showed all the old Tom and Jerry stuff a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Even stuff with the mammy that I wonder if it's still in the stuff they show to kids now. I doubt it. Because I, I remember seeing even like the the Confederate Looney Tunes stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, which I'm sure is not shown anymore. Well, that just, that just barely got pulled off the air, though. You know, yeah, okay. back when things like, I don't know, during the Trump era, when people actually were like, you know what, I didn't realize this was racist because I only pay attention to what I want to. But you know what, I agree now. Yeah. The, uh, I know HBO Max just pulled a bunch of Looney Tunes cartoons off, so I don't know if some of them were racist or not. So it's possible, though. Yeah. My question is, is when are they going to bring down the general? That Buster Keaton? What the hell was he thinking? <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, so... Uh, what was... Um, I, I got nothing else. I'll be on podcast, I don't know, this year. Probably. I don't know yet. It's early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. I have some Grumpire stuff I'm working on. I have... Um, 
in the vague future for Grumpire, I'm gonna do something on Project Wolf Hunting. A great action movie just came out. And, uh... That's really all I can say for now. I uh, that our first alarm of this season. It does. You guys can go. <laughs> what do you got coming out there, uh... Uh, I don't really have anything coming up. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at, at SpadeArcherJake. Um, I'm, I'll be on stuff probably too. <laughs> uh, what can they find some of your, uh, previous, I, I assume guest episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, movies from hell I've been on. I did, uh, at one point have a podcast with my friend, uh, Leonard called the Talking Pictures Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. but we just had to. Stop doing that because the time difference from Indiana to Belgium is quite big, so mm. and hard to plan out. But if people are so inclined and want to go back and listen to those, they can. Uh, they're all they're all where you can uh, where you can find podcasts. Um, they uh, they're there. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've been on movies from hell mainly. Um, but yeah. And then uh, my blog, C for Cinema, I haven't updated it in a long time. Um, uh, my my schedule's a little bit better now, so maybe I'll I might be trying to work on something soon. So keep an eye on up from that. Sounds good to me. I don't have anything. I'm just I'm just me. And Freya seems excited to be on the podcast. So. <laughs> you can hear her tapping around. Oh yeah, your your sound is amplified for some reason. Like, oh, I don't know don't why even, that is. It just I think this this the, I think cast like auto amplifies things when they think things are quiet. And so it does. It messes, yeah, yeah, it messes entirely with my Nvidia okay. broadcast noise blocker. Like, if, right, I, I I get her nails trimmed and shit, but like her nails are basically like on Bob's Burgers, the cruise ship episode. <laughs> where Louise gets her gets a, a mani and a petty and gets these long ass claws and she just like taps, ta- like you hear her claws tapping every time she walks there somewhere. Yeah, Joel, um, do you know what I'm talking about? I I know what you're talking about. That's a good one. No, but Joel, single episode of Bob's Burgers. Okay, that's, that's a really funny episode. That this image of Louise with long ass t- toenails and fingernails is really funny. Is Luis the alien? Wait, does, is there an alien in the show? That's Bob's Burgers. What, what is this burger about? It's a uh, family that have Hello, a burger shop. This is what? Okay. No, I, I'm making a joke. All right. I can't tell. You don't watch comedy. I don't know what you know about comedy. All right. Let's start the three-way. What's going on here? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Coming up episodes are. Um. Kenneth Anger episode on fireworks and the super famous one I can't remember the name of. Scorpio Rising? Is that what the yeah, that's what, no Scorpio Rising is a different thing. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think I, it is Scorpio Rising. I okay. Uh, yeah, and then there's um, Jake. You're returning to talk about arsenic and old lace. Yes, I'm looking hope. forward to that. That's. That's one of my favorite movies, probably of all time. So with, oh, uh, I hope I like that one more. <laughs> yep, it's a lot. It's not a drama, so I have hopes. Okay. Don't okay. put that pressure on the guest. 
Okay. And hopeful guests Rat Bath, who are, as of now are still uh, available for that. Awesome uh, band. It's like queer country punk uh, by their shit. It's on. It's on Bandcamp. They got cool shirt designs and stuff. Uh, like the, they didn't. They didn't tell me to plug them, but I'm just a, such a fan of their album so f- of all their stuff so far that I will plug them as much as I can. They're awesome. Shut up, Mary. Oh my Stop. god. <laughs> She's calling me a plug. Stop the point. podcast. You're a plug. Uh, <laughs> uh what else? Yeah, anyway, yeah. In those movies, if you want to watch them, they're, they are on YouTube, I believe. Or archive.org of um, mm. Kenneth Anger movies. Oh, good. I've actually been wanting to watch Kenneth Anger. Because I think the guest told me, the guest in the email said where to find them. Which I should share an email with you, Joel, so you can know where to find them. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's it. And uh, I have no clue when this is releasing, because I uh, still don't have everything ready. Just need a theme music, and that's about it. Stop. Okay. Uh, you can I'm, stop it. You're in I'm stopping. music is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T-Theory. That is spelled G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.